Well, good morning. It is great to be back with some of you guys from last night. We had a, we had a good time at the date night event. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, Pastor Trent started a series last week called Mind Your Business about how we tend to focus on everybody else. We need to put our heads down and focus on our own life when it comes to work, when it comes to money, and when it comes to marriage. And, and Pastor Trent, you know, I watched that message, and, but, but I got to tell you, it was, I took so much away from that, except there was one moment I just thought, he needs to have a little bit more faith when he was talking about the Bengals not winning. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. It's kind of the year of the underdog, right? It's been a good year. You know, and speaking of dogs, you know, we were pretty excited being from Atlanta about our Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, that's the great thing about that whole game is people are typically for their team and whoever's playing Alabama. And so we, were, we kind of felt like it was a win for the nation. So, that was, a, so that, was, that was a good time. That was a good time. And what does this have to do with our series? Absolutely nothing. Um, but last night, for those of you who were here, we talked about the power of our thoughts uh, in our marriage and just how our, we can just let our minds run on automatic when it comes to our thoughts. And sometimes what we automatically think is not automatically a good thing for our marriage. And we're going to continue thinking about some of that. And so the thing I want us to think about this morning and, and in this series is this, what do you think is the purpose of your marriage? Don't mind anybody else's. What do you think is the purpose of your marriage for you? What, what is that purpose? You know, what is the purpose of two people becoming one person? You know, people say marriage is so complicated. I go, it's not really so complicated. It's so close. I mean, you put everything about yourself in close proximity with one other person. You bring in all your stuff. I mean, even your stuff has to figure out a way to get along. I remember I watched my stepmom. She was kind of the master of this. My mom passed away when, when I was 10 and my dad remarried the summer after I graduated high school which I'm not sure what that has to say about me, but I'm pretty sure it's saying something. Um, but he, he marries her and she's got two sons. And so we, were, we come together a little bit like the, like the Brady Bunch. And um, she, my dad's a farmer. And so she had to move into the farmhouse. Now, when I say farmhouse, I don't want you to think Chip and Joanna Gaines. I don't know what I want you to think, but don't think that. But so she, she moves she moves in and I watch her and she very gently, kindly, slowishly starts to change the farmhouse. I come home from school and I look around and I'm about, wow, this place looks amazing. When did we get a stove? This is, this is awesome. But I remember thinking, I don't know she's gonna, how she's going to handle the whole like mounted ducks in the family room thing. I mean, my dad's a hunter and there are all these mounted ducks. It was like the United Nation of ducks. Every duck was represented. And I remember thinking, I don't know how she's going to be able to pull those off because those are kind of like his trophies. But then I watched the master at work. All of a sudden, the ducks were flying on the same wall. And then the ducks were flying closer together until their wings were a little bit overlapping. And then they were flying up and to the left. And then they started to disappear one by one. 
turns out they were flying south for the winter. <laughs> by the south, I mean the basement. This was the summer of 1988, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't noticed yet. Yeah, we got to blend our stuff from our, our ducks to our dishes to our dartboards. We have to figure all of that out. We got to blend our stuff, like our family of origin stuff and how we're wired different and our expectations of things and how different we are. Like, for instance, a lot of times really, really neat and tidy people, well, people who think everything's got, everything should have a place and everything should be in that place. A lot of times those types of people will marry normal people. My wife is so neat, our junk drawer has dividers, which I've tried to explain to her, makes it by its very essence, not a junk door. You know what I'm saying, anybody? Yeah, a lot of times spenders will marry savers. You know what happens there? The savers rob joy from the spenders. <laughs> That's how that works. How many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey? I don't like him. I think he's systematically robbing people of good times. <laughs> if you're interested, I'm running a new curriculum. You know, he has Financial Peace University. I'm run, I think it's like Financial Torture University. So I'm writing one called Ramsey Busters Living Like Jesus is Coming Back Tomorrow. <laughs> if you love Jesus, then swipe your visas. That's, that's how that works. Yeah, but that can happen, right? So what's the point of all this? What's the purpose of two people becoming one person. What's the point of figuring that out? What's the point of thinking that out? What's the point of trying to do that well? What's the purpose? Because it's, you know, anything that's important to us, knowing the purpose of it is really key. I mean, when you think about, like, if you own a business, you got, you know, you got to remember the purpose. So when things go bad and you keep going because there's a purpose, whether your purpose, you've got a mission to create something or just your purpose is to keep your employees in Employed, you know, you keep going because there's a purpose, but you also celebrate things because there's a purpose. You know, if you're, if you're remodeling or building a house, you know, and, and you know, things don't go always as planned. We did a whole house remodel. I don't recommend it, but you're in the middle of that and something doesn't go right and something's not going to go right. I can guarantee it, but you keep going because there's a purpose or you're on the way to vacation. You're going to Disney with your kids in a minivan for whatever reason, there's not a purpose for that. Anyway, but, but you keep going when the minivan breaks down, right? Because there's a purpose. But here's what I've found when it comes to people's purpose of marriage. When you say, what's the purpose of marriage? Most people are like, they'll go, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've even, in preparation for this, I've written a book called Us and Mine, and I've emailed marriage experts, what's the purpose of marriage? And they'll give me kind of big lofty answers, but I, I feel like this is something that we need to have nailed cold. So what is, it, what is the purpose of marriage? Some people say this, it's companionship. You know, the Bible does say, and you know, this is one of the purposes, it's not good for man to be alone. My wife points out, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's not good for a woman to be alone. You know, and I, got it, I tend to agree with her, you know? When women are out of the house, guys, we hurt ourselves <laughs> or we hurt our things or we make bad choices. Like the time I decided to give my six-year-old a, a buzz cut. Why well, pay for that, right? Yeah, I give him a buzz cut, all right. I forgot it was two weeks before her sister's wedding. It is not good for a man to be alone, <laughs> right? So it's companionship, that's part of it. Some people say it's this. Some people say, 
It's to make more people. We got to make more people be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, that's one of the, the purposes. But here's the tension when I want us to wrestle with a little bit. is we often don't live out one of the main purposes of marriage. And I would say the main purpose for marriage. A lot of us don't know or we're not living out the main purpose of marriage. And this purpose, when we know it, when we get it, it's the thing that makes us keep going when things are tough. This purpose is the thing that would think when you're very, very different and you have these moments and you're like, I need to choose to do the right thing. I'm gonna choose a different thing. This is the purpose that motivates us. This is the purpose that makes us celebrate the great stuff. This is the purpose that helps us to remember that, hey, this is, this is the deal. And this is the purpose that reminds us most of all that our marriage is not just about us as individuals. It's not just about us as a couple. It's not just us as a family. It's about so much more. It's about other people in our lives. This purpose is the main purpose that when we get it, there's nothing more motivating than this, but I'm finding that we are forgetting it. But before I give you the purpose, I wanna give you the how to live out the purpose. And, and because it shines a light on what that purpose is. So a little bit of cliffhanger, but, but come with me here. This purpose comes from, this is the how to from Ephesians 5. Submit to one another. This is how you live out this purpose. Submit to one another. How did those words hit you? I think about the people that heard this for the first time. I always think, when, I think about crazy things sometimes when, when I'm studying scripture. I'm like, I wonder what the first people that heard this, you know, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he would write letters and say, now that Jesus has come, now that you've accepted Jesus, here's how you do life with him. So he, he would write letters. And then I think about the first hear of those letters. And I don't know if there was like, you know, before the, the reader was, you know, gave some highlights and goes, hey, for all you married people who are wondering what the purpose of all this is, this is the answer. So about 4,000 words in, he says this, submit to one another. And I wonder if those words hit them like they hit some of us, like, oh no, is there another option? It's submit to one another, really? Because does that mean what I think it does? That I put my spouse's needs ahead of my own? Yeah, that's what it means. You're like, oh no. And this is hard to do, isn't it? It's just hard to do. Let's just keep it real. It is hard to do because it's not our natural tendency, is it? No, our natural tendency is not to think you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Our natural tendency is perfectly illustrated when there's even a remote chance of snow in Atlanta. This is our natural tendency. For whatever reason, when people in Atlanta hear that it might snow, they rush out and they buy all the bread, all the, all the eggs and all the milk. There's something about the potential of snow that makes people want French toast. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but they rush out and, and they grab theirs and maybe an extra. They buy the most perishable of items because and a lot of times they don't even eat those. Why? Because the tendency is I want mine. I want to get mine, right? We are the makers, humans are the creators of the fast pass. 
If you've been to Disney, I think now they have something different, but there used to be a thing called the fast pass. Anybody? It's delightful. You get this band on, you put it on and you schedule and you know when to go to certain rides. So you put the band on, you got your family, they got their band on and you're walking by, you know, Space Mountain and you click that thing and you walk by the people in the normal people line, you know, suckers. It's the closest we ever get to feeling like royalty, but it feels good. We cheated the system. It's kind of like I feel when I get bumped to first class every once in a while, the second my bum hits the seat, I become a king. I am the man. People are walking by, going to the peasant seats. I'm like, don't bump me. I'm using my hot, moist towel. I want to know what that creative meeting was. What can we give people in first class? Hey, let's give them a moist hot towel. Perfect. I don't know what it is, but it feels good because that's our tendency is we want to get ours. We want to, it's not our natural tendency to think about, hey, maybe I should back up and say, what is it? What's the best thing for my spouse right now. What can I do to put their needs ahead of my own? Now I saw this and I couldn't resist. Don't make fun of the South when it snows. It's rare. Sort of like a Northern school winning a football national championship. (laughs) I could say that here, can I? Yes, I I love that. And I love that because I want to win because I want to be number one because that's my my tendency to submit. No one goes to the game and goes, I hope the other team goes well. I'd like to submit my (laughs) No, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to go to that game, right? But our natural tendency is not to think about how do I put our spouse's needs. This is our natural tendency is to think things like this. I hear this a lot. Well, I deserve to be happy, right? I deserve to be happy. We hear this one a lot. This is a new thing. I need to live my truth. At what point, what point of your life is this a good idea? You know, can you imagine thinking that as a parent? I'm going to let my two-year-old live his truth. Nobody wants that. Do you want an elementary school kid to live their truth, teachers? Or middle school? High school? Do we want college kids to live their truth? They are, and it's not going well, right? I'm going to live my truth. I don't know when this becomes a good idea to live our truth. Or people say this, this is probably the most popular. That's not fair. That's not fair. The opposite of saying, I got to think about my spouse's needs and put it ahead of my own. The opposite is this. It's constantly scanning the situation, scanning the relationship to go, is this fair? Well, it's not my time to take the kids to school. It's your turn. I did it last week. This is, this is not fair. I always do this and you never do this. Well, I have to do all this. I mentioned this last night. The number one time couples are fighting is when they reconnect at the end of the day. And I think they're fighting when they come in and go, oh, my day was awful. Oh, you think your day was awful. You've been at work with the big people. Here, you take it. Right? And we get all this because we think, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair what I have to do compared. It's not fair. Or our level of submission is based 
on our spouse's level of submission. Well, I'll submit to you when you submit to me. I think that's the opposite of submission. (laughs) But this is our tendency as we look and we scan for what's fair. You know who else says that's not fair a lot? Little kids. There's something that's our tendency. We're born with that's, that's not fair. And while it's not our natural tendency to live out the how-to of this purpose, it is beautiful when you see it, isn't it? Who is that couple that you know in your life? Maybe you are this couple. Who's that married couple that just seems to outserve each other? That are constantly putting their spouse's needs ahead of their own. It's like they're in a race to see who can love the most. Who's that couple that you know of? Again, maybe you are that couple. I know there's couples in this church. You know, you see couples that have been married 25, 35, 40, 50, 60 years. You watch that. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? When you watch people submit to one another, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. We're drawn to that. One of the most beautiful pictures of this, I've met couples from all over the country and the most beautiful picture I've ever saw of this was my uncle Bob and aunt Sue. They were my great uncle Bob, my great aunt Sue. And they just submitted to each other all the time. They love one another. So it wasn't surprising when she got Alzheimer's disease that he continued to put her needs ahead of his own. And what happened with Alzheimer's for her, the way it manifested itself for her was it made her very restless and it made her very unsettled and she just could never seem to get calmed down except when they were in the car. There was something about driving for her that would settle her down. And they were always talking about how Uncle Bob was driving Aunt Sue around and they would go on trips. So when she passed, we were all kind of standing around and Uncle Bob was very, very quiet, didn't speak at the funeral, just just a quiet, loving man, but kind of says under his breath, says, yeah, we went to all 48 states, the continental United States. We were on our way to Alaska, but I got a little afraid and came back. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. You drove to every, you went to all 48 states. He goes, yeah, it's when she felt the best. Now, let me ask you this. Does anybody expect anybody to do something like that? No. Was it fair for him? No. Should he have had to? No. Is that what he wanted for his life and for his marriage? No. But was it beautiful? Oh, yeah. I ask people, though, it's not just these huge things. I ask people online, to go, what is this thing your spouse does that submits to you that they put you first? that you love, and it turns out submission and coffee have a lot to do with each other. I don't know what this is. He gets up early and he brings me coffee. Or she makes me coffee, it has something to do with coffee. The other thing that was mentioned a lot was dishwashers. There's something about marriage and dishwashers. I don't know what that connection is, but it's a make them or break them kind of situation. 
at my house. What means her needs ahead of my own is unload a dishwasher. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't know what it is about unloading a dishwasher, but I would rather build a log cabin. <laughs> I hate it worse than anything when I open that little door and see the little lights. And on there, this man came up to me after <laughs> speaking one time. He goes, hey, you know, if you'll hold it and pull it back, you can put it back. And I was like, hey, don't think I haven't tried it. But you pull it back and I see all those plastic dishes and you got the water. I hate it. I hate that. But for her, she loves it. It's what speaks love to her that she comes in and it's empty. It's this thing of, I don't want to do this. But man, it, it, it'll mean something to them. What is that thing that you do or your spouse does that puts you first and it just means something? Because when people submit, when people put their needs have your own, it just, it does something relational, doesn't it? If you have a hard time thinking about marriage, maybe you're struggling in your marriage, who's that person that puts you ahead of them? You're drawn to them, right? Man, in the context of this closeness of marriage, it's huge. And I keep coming back to this word, but it's beautiful. And that is the point that leads to this purpose. Submit to one another. Why? <laughs> out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence <clears throat> for Christ. The reason we do this, the purpose of why we do this is out of reverence for Christ. And I think as believers, and I think that we have forgotten this. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I promise you, this is just good advice. Put your spouse's needs ahead of your own. But as Christ followers, this gets really important to us. Because when you think about this, it really, it really makes sense that, that we would, how do we respond to the ultimate act of submission? I mean, the ultimate, you think about this for a minute. And if you've been church a while and we keep hearing over and over and over, if you've been to church, if you've been a Christian for a while, we can forget. And this is why I love praise and worship is, but we forget about how amazing and how much we should be floored by this act of submission from Christ that God would come down and humble himself like he did. And then, the ultimate act of submission, you know, what did he say right before he's to be crucified? What did he say? God, if there is any other way, Abba, Father, if there's any other way, any other way, but if not, not my will, but your will. The ultimate act of submission. What do we do with that? The how to that wow is to submit. And I don't know about you, but when I can, I can come to church and I can be so wild and I can do praise and worship and then I can get in the car and go, look at all this traffic. They cut in line. You're like, how do we do that? And I think for married folks, I think what happens here is it's for us, it is a constant reminder of his submission. Every time that we feel like, Ugh, I don't want to submit is a reminder that he submitted to us. The purpose of marriage, friends, is to love in a way 
that reflects the way Jesus loves us. And it's fun. I, one of the things that I've always wanted to do when it comes to marriage is that what I've found with people is they want you to keep it really practical. Just tell me what to do. They want to keep it really, really practical. And I've always thought, man, if people can practice little tiny practical things, it changes things. And I, I struggled a little bit with this one because it becomes so ethereal that the purpose of marriage is to love in a way that reflects the way Jesus loves us. But as I talk to Christians and I talk and, you know, being married for a, a long time, I think we forget that this is the purpose. And I hear advice that Christians are giving other Christians about their marriage and it doesn't seem based on this purpose. It seems based on some kind of different something. I'm talking to a guy recently and the advice from his small group about his marriage is he needs to leave because he needs to protect his assets. And I said, tell me what's going on. Like what's going on in the relationship? And he's telling me what's going on. And I'm like, I think that's bad advice. Because our marriage is about so much more. So when we're in the middle of why do we submit and we're in the middle of why do I love like this and we're in the middle of should we stay or should I go and we're in the middle of all this and we sit back in this purpose and we go, whoa, 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 this is about so much more than me getting my way. James says, what is the reason of the fights and quarrels among you? You're not getting what you want. And in the middle of all of this, it's going, wait a minute, my kids are seeing how Jesus loves me by the way I love their mother. That's a bigger purpose. That's a motivator more than getting my way. This is a motivator. How do I love in a radical way? This is how my kids are seeing Jesus. This is how my parents are seeing Jesus. This is how our friends are seeing Jesus. This is how our neighbors and our coworkers are seeing Jesus. Because I got to be honest with you, sometimes if somebody works in marriage, I'm like, God, why in the world would you choose marriage to represent the relationship between Christ and the church? Because we're not naturally good at it. And I thought, it makes perfect sense because we're not naturally good at it. It's why it's so remarkable when people do it anyway. And I think about, we're saying marriage, the purpose is to reflect the love of Jesus. I've, I've watched this happen. I think that people, that God knew that people were going to have issues with how they think about church. Because, it's, it's, because we're human, we can mess up church and we can mess the way people see it. And that people are going to have image with God and with Jesus. But you know what people do not have any conflict with or confusion with? And that's people and love. Like when I tell you the story of Bob and Sue and, and Bob driving her around 48 states, you don't have to love Jesus for that to be amazing, do you? And it draws people to you. And I've watched, I've been doing marriage ministry for a long time and I couldn't believe how people would use a marriage event, a date night event to bring their non-believing friends and family to it. And that doesn't make any sense on paper. But then I thought, wait a minute, you don't have to love Jesus to want your marriage to work. People want their marriage to work. And then they see some couple in this church who've decided we're gonna love in a radical way. We're gonna submit to each other. And they see them and they see them loving each other. And they, they go, where does this come from? And they're like, you know what? I'm gonna go with you this date night because I, I want that. Because here's what I found with married people. They don't have bad hearts, they have bad habits. They don't have bad hearts, they have, they have bad habits. They want it to be good and they follow and they go, 
you know, I don't know how to feel about church and God and ooh, I've got some bad things, but I'm going to go because I want that. And this is, track with me a little bit on this is if you're a couple that loves Jesus, that are saying you first, you first, you become a well-lit, well-constructed bridge for other people. Everybody's bridge looks different. Some of your bridges look like this. Some of your bridges look like this. And some of your bridges look like this. Right now, folks, people need a bridge back into church. And they need a bridge back towards God. And marriage is that bridge in many ways for many people. People need a bridge back in and seeing two people love like Jesus loves us for a lot of them is the bridge back in. Your marriage matters more than you and it matters more to the two of you. It matters to the people in the wake of it. And we know marriage has a wake. Some of you experienced the wake of, of divorce. You feel the ring, you know it's not just about the two of you. The same is true, the opposite. You see that? Love goes, and it goes through generations, and it goes through your neighborhood, and it goes through your workplace, and it goes through. Last night, we talked about how just a few guiding thoughts that we don't have to let our minds run on automatic would matter. We talked about, you know, I, I can assume the best. I can remember whose I am, and this is another one for all of you. I can love in response to God's love for me. I can love in response to God's love for me. This is the boss thought that I want you to remember. And I'd say this after me, I can love in response to God's love for me. Okay, one more time. That this is the filter, like you're going, okay, are you kidding me? Would you look at these clothes all over the floor once again? I can love in response to God's love for me. Okay, he wants to watch one more game. <laughs> are these, when are these things going to be over? I can love in response to God's love for me. Boy, she really gets frustrated about something that seems kind of silly to me. <laughs> I can love in response to God's love for me. You know, I don't know why they get so excited about this. I don't get so sad about this, but I can love in response to God's love for me. This isn't about her, based on her response to me. This is based on his response to me. And this is a motivation to love and I can love out of God's love for me. And it flows out of that and it frees your mind to quit searching for what is fair. And this is the last, this is the hope of this whole thing is submitting frees your mind to love like Jesus. And there's no greater hope for your marriage than that. Submitting frees your mind to love like Jesus and there's no greater hope for your marriage than that. Your mind can get so caught up in relationship and we're protective of ourselves and I get it. It's a natural tendency. But when we lean back and say, God, I, I can love in response to what you do to me. This is my way of saying to you, God, that I remember and for married folks that we've got these opportunities all around us every day to remember and say, all right, God, this is my way of showing you. This is, this is my how to, to the wow.
because our marriages are more than us. And this purpose, this purpose that our marriages reflect the love of Jesus, it just matters. Who's that couple that you know? And what can you do to love more in this way? And I'll tell you what, even when it comes to your own life, there was nothing better for your soul than living like this. And there's nothing better for your relationship and those around you than love in response to the way he loves you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Just, it feels so inadequate to say thank you, but just the ultimate act of submission when we pause and we breathe like we do every Sunday here. And these incredible musicians play music here to help us remember that, to help us remember whose we are, but also help us remember what you did. And a lot of times we go, I don't know what to do with that. That's so much, I don't know what to do with that. When we, when we see it for what it is, we don't know what to do with that. And you whisper gently, I do. Just love like this. Just love this, love this way. God, I just pray that there would be so much freedom felt because of this. And then we could walk away with the thought of, I can love in response to God's love for me. Thank you that you love us like you do. We don't deserve it, but we are certainly thankful. Pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.